0: This is Revision Church Atlanta podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Wesley Knight, the lead pastor here at Revision Church Atlanta. Here at RCA, we leverage the power of prayer, personal influence, community development, and love to empower transformation in Christ. We hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Thank you for tuning in.
1: We're just going to jump right into the word today. And our scripture reading is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 25. And we're reading together from verses 1 through 13. 1 Samuel chapter 25. We're reading together from verses 1 through 13. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. I just want to thank my friends, the Mulzacs, for being here as well. As we get into the word today. The Bible says, Now Samuel died. And all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him in his house at Ramah. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran, and there was a man of Maon whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and a and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the, na- of the man was Nabal and the name of his wife was Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his his sheep so David sent 10 young men and David said to the young man go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name and thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you and peace be to your house And peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we did no harm. They missed nothing all the time that we were with them in Carmel. Ask your younger men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants, and to your son David when David's young men came they said all that they said all this to Nabal in the name of David and then they waited and Nabal answered David's servants who is David and who is the son of Jesse there are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men who come from I don't know where So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this and David said to his men Every man strap on his sword David said get the strap And every man of them strapped on his sword and David also strapped on his sword and about 400 men went up after David while 200 remained with the baggage For the next few moments we're speaking from the topic when the past is present. When the past is present, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy, your love and your grace. Lord, the truth is that the past continues to be present in many of our lives. But Father, we're grateful that you are forging right now in the present a new future for us. So God, we pray that you would help us to walk in it We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. You know, family, just because you're well, just because you're functioning does not mean that you're well. Just because you're able to carry out your duties and fulfill your responsibilities and run your errands and carry out your obligations does not mean that you are whole or that you are healthy. In fact, it does not mean all that the accoutrements of society tend to suggest. It doesn't mean that things are going well. You can have the house, you can have the car, you can have the spouse, you can have the kids, you can have all the nice clothes, the nice job, and the money, and the bank accounts. You can have all the things that suggest that you are doing well, but just because you are functioning does not mean that you are well. In fact, you can hold church fun- church ministry, you can participate in church ministry and hold church office, but that still does not suggest, neither does it mean that everything is well in your soul. We saw it live and direct last March as Will Smith was seated waiting to receive his Oscar. Blockbuster after blockbuster, hit movie after hit movie, Will Smith is about to receive the highest reward and recognition of his career. He is well-dressed, he is accompanied by family, and it seems like everything is well for Will Smith, yet many of us saw the smack that signaled that all is not well. Well see while many of us saw the smack what many of us don't know is that he grew up in a in a home full of domestic violence. He grew up watching his mother being abused by his father and his past taught him that he needed to be violent in order to protect the women that he loves. Don't miss this because it looked like he was well, but his past had taught him something else. His past had taught him that he needed to be violent in order to protect the women in his life. So he responded to the present at the Oscars with the lessons from the past, with information from his painful past. In other words, the smack was the problem, but he grew up in a situation where he had learned some patterns and he had learned some thought processes that were still present within him. And when he was triggered, the past became present. See, a lot of us know how to act right and we know what to say and we know how to behave and we know how to fool other people into believing that we're better than we actually are. We can show up and say happy Sabbath. We can show up and say good morning. We know how to wear the mask, but the fact of the matter is, is that when we are triggered, many of us don't know how to act. Because when we are triggered, the pain of the past that we have been smothering or we've been numbing with our money and numbing with our clothes and numbing with, the, with our relationships, it suddenly rises to the top and we don't know how to handle it. Everybody knows how to act until the past is present. And one of the reasons why this happens is because it's not because you're a bad person. It's not because you're evil, but it's because you are wired for survival. In fact, if I can just tag in the therapist for a moment, and we can just throw up this picture, because you're wired for survival, there's a way that your brain functions in order to protect you that that causes you to act out even before you start thinking. If we can just put up this picture of the brain, you're going to see that the frontal part of the brain called the neocortex. Can you say neocortex? The neocortex is what is responsible for your creative thinking and your critical thinking. Uh, but God is so good. We are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. And there's this, there's this orange part at the, at the back and at the, at the center of the brain called the amygdala. Can you say amygdala? amygdala? Let me teach you a little something right now. See, what happens with the amygdala is that the amygdala is there to help you respond to stress. And so be, and so the job of the amygdala is not to take in all of the factors. The job of the amygdala is to determine whether or not you are safe or unsafe. And if you are unsafe, the amygdala activates in order to help you respond to the stressful situation. So the way that the amygdala works is that when the amygdala is activated by stress, blood actually drains from the neocortex. So, so, so the part of the brain that you use for critical thinking and for creative thinking actually isn't functioning at full capacity when you're stressed. What starts functioning even more is the amygdala. Now the amygdala is wonderful because the amygdala will remember traumas that you don't remember. And the amygdala will activate and this is the reason why sometimes your heart will start racing and your palms will get will get sweaty when you get around certain people because the amygdala remembers that this person reminds me of that situation and you might not be safe with this person the amygdala is so powerful that if you were hurt by somebody who had a particular kind of scent or perfume and you don't even remember what happened the amygdala would pick up on the scent and it would associate that sense with your past pain and it would activate in order to protect you the neocortex would stop working as much and your fight-and-flight response would get triggered so that you would start getting ready to either fight or to run in fact not only do we fight sometimes we flight sometimes we freeze let me set somebody free you didn't freeze because you're a punk You froze because your brain was trying to process what to do. Sometimes we fight, sometimes we flight, sometimes we freeze, sometimes we fawn. Y'all didn't know about that. Fawning is when from our stressful past and from our painful history, we learned that the way to survive situations was to please people even when they hurt us. And see, the problem is, is that the amygdala does not, take into t- does not take into context the time or the context. In other words, the amygdala that learned this at the age of five does not look at the situation and say, well, you're 20 now, you should handle it different. The amygdala says, this feels familiar, so we're going to respond in ways that are familiar. So as the amygdala is now taking over, the brain is not functioning in the neocortex as much as it normally would. And we end up responding to situations before we're actually thinking. Have you ever heard somebody say, I was saying something before I was thinking? Or I was moving before I was thinking? In some sense, they're actually telling the truth because the amygdala took over. And this is called an amygdala hijack because it hijacks the functioning of the brain and what this tells us is that for a lot of people people get together for the neocortex but they divorce because of their amygdalas they get together for their critical thinking they get together for their creative thinking but when the stress response kicks in and the coping mechanisms kick in and my stress response is in conflict with your stress response then we're both fighting each other and we're not critically thinking See, what happens a lot of times is that our amygdalas have taken over our thought processes. And before Will Smith was thinking, he was walking up on that stage. Before Will Smith was thinking, he was smacking Chris Rock in the face. Before Will Smith was thinking, he was cursing him out from from the audience. And before he could fully process what happened, all of this was unfolding because the past was still present. See saints of God, what a lot of us struggle with is not just sin. It's not just a struggle. It's not just a bad habit. It's not even just spiritual. It's a learned and inappropriate response to stress. In other words, we don't just lie because it's sin. We lie because we're in a stressful situation. And the way that we've learned to respond to stress is by lying. We don't steal just because it's sin, we steal because we're in a stressful situation and the way that we've learned to respond to stress is by stealing. We don't just hurt people because we're bad people, but it's because we learn to respond to stress through hurting other people and that's what we're doing. And the problem that we have had is that so many times the church has positioned our behavior and said we should just stop sinning instead of teaching us how to manage our stress. It's not that you're evil. It's not that you're bad. It's that you haven't learned how to manage your stress. So, so Satan has positioned your sin as a response to your stress. This is why, this is why it's so important, my, my, my young people, before you get married, you got to see that brother get stressed. Before you marry her, you better see her under some stress. It, I, in fact, I get scared when couples say, we've never fought before. Because if I don't see how you act when you're angry, when you're upset, when you're stressed, when when you're overwhelmed, then I don't know who you're going to be in life. We cannot just tell you to stop doing this without also teaching you how to manage your stress. So when the past is present, saints of God, God doesn't just want to deal with your problems. God wants to deal with your patterns and thought processes. Ah, this is different. I know we're accustomed to just stop doing this. God, I'll never do this again. God, I'll I'll, I'll never participate in that again. And we fail to recognize that when you are under pressure and you are under stress, if you have not developed a new coping mechanism, you're likely to fall back into the habits that you you previously had. So God doesn't just want to deal with your problems. I know your problem is, 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 is important to you. I know that the matter is urgent and that the matter is pressing. I know that you feel like this is the biggest issue that you need to deal with. But can I tell you today that many times God is looking past your problem and he's looking at your patterns. That, that our confession is often incomplete because what we confess is the manifestation of the sin but not the patterns that have contributed to it. I am in the text because now David, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 25, Samuel has died. Uh, uh, David's covering, David's spiritual father, David's protector when Saul was after him is now dead. On top of that, David is now on the run from King Saul. David is stressed. Uh, David is, 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 is wondering where he's gonna get his next meal from because he's a fugitive from the state. Uh, David has served his country loyally he has served his country faithfully yet he has been mislabeled he has been misidentified he has been mischaracterized they have torn down David's name and David is on the run for his life not just him but also his family. David is stressed and while David is stressed, he meets a man named Nabal. Nabal has much goods. Nabal has a lots of sheep and lots of goats. And David doesn't rob Nabal's, Nabal of his goods. He, in fact, he protects Nabal's, Nabal with his goods. And David, while he is stressed and while he is desperate, he then goes and asks, asks Nabal, give to me whatever you want so that my men may also be able to eat. Nabal responds not only with a no, but he disrespects him in the process. Uh, he says, who is David? And who's the son of Jesse? He, he, he's suggesting, I know exactly who David is. What he's really saying is, David, you ain't nobody. You don't serve Saul anymore. You have no protection from the state or from the government. In fact, he triggers David because then he says there are many servants who used to be faithful to their masters and who are no longer faithful anymore. Don't you see that while David has done the right thing and David has been acting righteous, David is still not well and there he gets triggered. And David from there gets so entitled... That he, tr- that he resorts to violence to get what he wants. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that again because we're talking about patterns. Can you say patterns? David, when he doesn't get what he wants and he's stressed, he resorts to violence to get what he wants. Have we heard the story of Bathsheba before? Where, where David was on the rooftop entitled... And he looks at Bathsheba and asks for something that's not his to get. And then when he, when he comes under fire and under danger, he resorts to violence in order to create the cover up. See, the story of Bathsheba happens after the story of Nabal, and the story of Bathsheba shows us what happens when we don't go to God with our patterns. <laughs> David only went to God with his problem. God I need some food but he didn't go to God with his patterns and when we have unresolved patterns they become landmines in the in in our lives that detonate later on because David did not deal with his patterns and thought processes later on when he had more power hmm, and he had more position and he had more influence those same patterns that might have just killed Nabal in the past now end up killing Uriah in the future and destroying his family in the process? Could it be that God doesn't promote some of us because we have not surrendered our patterns and if our patterns from today make it into the future he has for us, we would take more people out with us? Could it be that some promotions are denied because God protects us? that we are not prepared for the promotion because we have not surrendered our patterns to the Lord. The truth of the matter is that we've all got patterns and we all get triggered. I know that some of us can't say amen on some of these patterns, but we've all got patterns. Uh, Some of us are fixers. Uh, You can't say amen, but you can think amen. You know, go ahead and confess to the Lord. It's healthy to confess to the Lord what your pattern is. You know you're a fixer when whenever there's a problem, you're just drawn to it. You can't help but stay away. You know how to help everybody else but yourself. That's how you know you're a fixer. Uh, You're drawn to toxic relationships. And toxic relationships are drawn to you. And you gain your validation from fixing other people. We've all got patterns. Some of us, some of us are avoiders. Uh, the bills come and we say, let me just, let me just put it in the drawer. I'm not going to look at that. Uh, the email is sent and, and you just say, I'm not going to look at that. You scroll right past it. The, the telemarketers, not the telemarketers, the bill collectors are calling and you say, I- I'm not ready to pick up right now. Some of us are avoiders. The issue arises and we act as if it doesn't exist. We've all got patterns. Some of us, some of us, we get defensive. Hmm. I know you can't say amen. You might be sitting right next to somebody who's defensive, but you can go ahead and think amen. Some of us real defensive. We, 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 as soon as somebody brings some truth or some light or some accountability to our lives, we think that they're attacking us because they're saying something that can support us. Some of us are defensive because we've all got patterns. Some of us, we like to repress. Uh, we, we issues come up and we just we just sweep it under the rug. We deny that it exists because we've all got patterns. And some of us this is the this is one of the favorites that I see in the church. We just passive aggressive. We know we're mad. We big mad. We've been mad for ten years, but we're gonna act like everything's okay. Uh, happy Sabbath, my sister. God bless you. We act like everything's okay, but then when they call you to ask you for some support, you can't pick up. Uh, you, you say everything's okay, but you walk past that person in the church. You act like everything's okay, but you're real passive-aggressive. You show up at the meeting only opening your mouth to criticize and never to lend your support. We've all got patterns. In fact, me, I, I was a fixer. I, I, learned, I learned from my past childhood that in order to gain people's love and affection, I needed to resolve their problems and and while watch the saints while that was beneficial in ministry it wasn't beneficial in other areas of my life so while the church was saying amen for the fixer it was not good relationally because the fixer was drawn to drama are we am i here by myself I know a lot of us are here like this. All of us, high-functioning, high-capacity people, we just find ourselves drawn to drama. We may not create the drama, but we're drawn to drama. So while we are appreciated on the job for our ability to fix it, and while we're appreciated at church for our ability to fix it, when you're drawn to drama, it can dampen your discernment so that you don't make wise choices relationally. You don't know if I'm talking about you yet. Oh, oh, they've got potential. I can fix them when the reality is you don't really love them you love how fixing them makes you feel which is why you get tired of them when they get well and then you say I'm bored you're not bored, you completed your project so you never really loved them made you feel like a hero. So this is how much God loves us. God is less concerned with our problems and he's more concerned with our patterns. So that when we so the key to fixing the problem is finding the pattern. He's not starting with what's high on your agenda or high on your priority list. He said, let's fix the pattern and the, we can fix the fact. If we fix the pattern, then we'll fix the problem. Yeah. So when the past is present, don't miss this. God will use your triggers to initiate treatment. I'm going to say it again. When the past is present, God will use your triggers to initiate Treatment. The Bible says, iron sharp- sharpeneth iron. That means that in relationship, there tends to be some friction when you're growing. And the reason why some of us have not yet attended church in the building, hmm, is because during the pandemic, we got comfortable away from friction. We got comfortable away from the triggers. We got comfortable because we said, I can get a word, and I can get praise and worship, and I can I can give offering, and I can do all of that without the triggers. But the problem is, is that without the triggers, you won't notice the patterns, and without the patterns, you can't grow. So some of us have created the strategy that I'ma just stay home, that I will not attend, that I will not get involved, that I won't join the online ministry, that I won't join the online small group because I'm trying to avoid my triggers, while God is trying to use the triggers in order to grow you. Now, let me be clear. God does not orchestrate your pain, but God won't won't waste it either. God will not orchestrate your pain, but God won't waste it either. He's like, if you've gone through it, if you've been through it, if you're going through this, then at least I will use the pain for your good. Isn't it the Bible that says that what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around for my good? Isn't it the Bible that says that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose? What if God is using the trigger in order to treat you? See, the problem is that we run from our triggers when God is actually waiting for that as an opportunity for you to come to him. David, while he's on the run and under stress, is triggered. He turns to his men and he tells them, get the strap. They all strap up and they are headed to kill Nabal and all the men in his household. And what David, what happens to David next is nothing but a symbolism of the work of the Holy Spirit. That while David is approaching uh, Nabal, getting ready to kill him, Abigail, the wise woman, praise the Lord for wise women. Praise the Lord for wise women. That, that, Nabal, uh, uh, that Nabal's wife, Abigail, finds David and approaches him and catch what, what Abigail does. Abigail says to him, she bows down to him as the uncoronated king of Israel. I need you to catch this. Because many times when we're triggered, we end up triggering other people and their triggers are fighting our triggers. But when you're whole, hmm, when you're healed, when you know who you are, their triggers can't activate your triggers. See, Abigail could have heard that David is coming to kill us. And Abigail could have gotten all up in her feelings. Abigail could have started, could have started, acting, out, could have started acting out and talking out the side of her neck. But Abigail is whole. Abigail is healed. And Abigail says, I won't let your trigger control me. This is the reason why Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Jesus is not advocating for staying in an abusive situation, but Jesus is responding to the idea and the belief that an eye for an eye or an ear for an ear. See, when you live an eye, an eye for an eye, or ear for an ear, that means that you're allowing other people's brokenness to activate brokenness in you. You took out my eye, so now I'm taking out your eye. You took out my ear, so now I'm taking off your ear. You cursed me out, so now I'm cursing you out. You hurt me, so now I'm hurting you. What Jesus says isn't stay in an abusive situation. He says, don't let their brokenness control you. So he says, turn the other cheek. Not for you to suffer more abuse, but for you to not live a life of retaliation. Some of us, we're not free because we're living lives of retaliation. Every time they say something, we feel like we got to say something. Every time they do something, we feel like we've got to do something. But what pro- what the problem with that is that when you allow their triggeredness to, to, to trigger you, it just becomes a cycle that never ends. Somebody's got to say, I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be whole. I'm going to be all right. And I can respond to the situation with the maturity that God has given me. God is saying, don't let the sins that people commit against you become the rationale for you sinning against them. Because perfect love, hmm, it drives out fear. So when you show up after they triggered you and you show up whole and you show up healed. Haven't you ever shown up on the job after they know that they they did you dirty and you still got joy in your spirit? You still got happiness in your heart? You are unbothered and you are unfazed because the world didn't give this joy and the world can't take it away and you are still filled with the Holy Ghost. Haven't you ever seen them confused? Haven't you ever seen them dismayed? And you just know that you got a praise up in your spirit because what's happening on the outside doesn't impact what's happening on the inside Abigail shows up and she's whole Nabal's a fool David is triggered but Abigail is whole so so Abigail shows up and she doesn't speak to behavior saints of God she speaks to identity she doesn't speak to oh you shouldn't kill no 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 she shows up and she bows to the uncoordinated king of Israel She's reminding David of who you are. Uh, If you've ever seen Black Panther, there's a a scene where T'Challa is fighting for his life. And while he's fighting for his life, he's losing because he's fighting with his pride. And he's fighting, he's fighting ju- just to prove himself. And his mother screams out to him, remind them who you are. Remember who you are. And as T'Challa's identity is uncovered, he's able to have strength to overcome. Abigail is speaking not to David's behavior, but to David's identity. She's telling the uncoronated king of Israel, remember who you are. She begins to speak about how God it will already keep him from doing evil in his sight in fact if you read and follow the text she begins to reference david's fight with goliath and she says to david god will sling out your enemies from your life reminding david of who he is could it be that we're living from our triggers because we've forgotten who we are but the word of god tells us who we are Not who we should be, hmm, who we already are. Who we already are that may have been covered by the stress and covered by the coping mechanism and covered by, by the, by the stress response. The Bible says that, says says that, says that we are the head and not the tail, that we are above and not beneath, that you are a lender and not a borrower. God says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans not to harm you, but to prosper you, plans to give you a future and an expected end. God knows who you are. And when we remember who we are, we begin to outgrow past coping mechanisms. You know what happens when you start to outgrow things? They just no longer fit anymore. Uh, you try to put them on and it's just—it's not as comfortable as it used to be. You, you try to pull on the pants and you realize it's not coming up past the knees. You, you try to squeeze the shirt and you realize this just doesn't fit me anymore because I'm not who I used to be. See, God won't orchestrate your pain, but he also won't waste it. So when you're triggered, it's our opportunity to bring our pattern to God. Not just the problem, not just how I feel in the moment, but God, there's something here that is causing me to respond to the present with the pain of the past. And some of us, we need to pray, God, I don't know what it is. I don't know why I'm like this, but I'm bringing it to you because I need you to help me unpack this. I remember uh, a few weeks ago, my wife and I, we purchased a house by the grace of God. And we, um, my, my, wife, my wife has, has, has uh, she has refined taste. Uh, so we, we went to the carpet store because we wanted to buy a new carpet. So we're, we're feeling the carpets, we're feeling the, 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 the material, we're looking at the softness, and I have a piece of material in my hand and I'm rubbing it. I'm like, wow, this is pretty soft. And, and, the, and the, the, the store owner tells me, well, that's actually made out of recycled bottle caps. And I looked at him in shock because the material was so soft and I could not imagine that such soft material could come from such hard bottle caps. And, and what, what, what I realize is that God, while he does not orchestrate our pain, he does recycle our pain. That God, because he doesn't waste our pain, God knows that pain, catch this, is a renewable resource. And the key to recycling is that you can't just put your pain in the trash. No, no, you've got to put your pain in the right place. That when you put it in the hands of the master, he begins to work that thing. He begins to transform that thing. He begins to use that thing so that your trials become your testimonies. So that your mourning turns into dancing. So that the spirit of heaviness turns into the garment of praise. praise, So that your crying turns into laughing. Because pain is a renewable resource. So we don't have to be afraid of our triggers. When we get triggered, we just have to say, God, I know you're gonna use this too. In fact, saints of God, we've gotta be committed to living a life that makes the enemy regret ever putting us in any kind of pain. Because when your misery turns into your ministry, then the enemy regrets, he's like, man, I wish that I never put the saints of God through this. When the past is present, God is more concerned with your problems. He's more concerned with your patterns than your problems. But also when the past is present, God will give you a new past to give you a new future. When the past is present, God will give you a new past to give you a new future. Now, Will Smith uh, 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 didn't grow up smacking people, but he grew up seeing people get hit. Uh, these were may not have been coping mechanisms that he even knew were within him, but they were there uh, They may not have ever bloomed But the seeds were there and in the right environment They grew and they manifested on that stage and I know that for some of us we are saying to ourselves uh, uh, I don't have the coping mechanism myself. Uh, I got it from my parents I saw my siblings do it. I I saw my neighbors do it. My environment and my community cultivated this in me even though I didn't want it for myself. I didn't create it, I inherited it. Uh, But the word of God does not leave us helpless because the word of God tells us that David is a man after God's own heart. In other words, God still claims David in spite of the foolishness that David has done. In fact, Paul says in Romans 8, he says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. Paul is saying, look, although you may have inherited some of these traits and inherited some of these coping mechanisms, if you live by the spirit, you'll put them to death. Paul goes on to say, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons. Can you say sons, sons. and daughters? Can you say daughters, sons, sons and daughters of God? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear or your coping mechanism, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. Can you say Abba, Father? Paul is making it clear that in spite of what you may have done and in spite of what you may have inherited, that when God steps into the picture, he adopts you and he gives you a new past in order to give you a new future. The Bible says the spirit himself. See, I love this because the Bible makes it clear that it's not just that we cry out Abba Father and claim God as our father. But it says the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. In other words, when you claim God as your father, he, he then, the spirit then confirms that you are indeed God's son and God's daughter. And the Bible says this, if you are children, ha, then you're heirs. Uh, that if you're children and you're heirs, heirs of God and fellow or joint heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I hope you didn't miss the text. Because what we see from Will Smith is that he had inherited some things from his father and that these things were being passed down in his life. These seeds had been, had been planted without his choosing and without him cultivating it. It was there in him, and in the right moment, it manifested. So what God does for us is that he says, not only will I fix your present, but I'll even go into the past and adopt you so that you can have a new future. God says, you are not stuck. With the parents you didn't choose. And you are not stuck with the habits that you didn't cultivate. But I will come and adopt you, and because you're now my son, and because you're now my daughter, I'm giving you new traits, so I'm going to the past to fix your present. Uh, I remember some of us, we used to watch this show called Maury, or or some of us used to watch Jerry Springer. And I remember in the Jerry Springer show, uh, there were times when there were these paternity tests. And whenever there were, the, there were these paternity tests, there would be one young lady up there, and there would be several men there as well. And what was always interesting was that the woman was there, and sometimes she didn't, she didn't even know who the father was. And then before they did the, uh, the DNA test, they would ask the brothers, are you the father? They would go to Devante, Devante, are you the father? Devontae would say, No, I'm not the father. They would go to Jamal. Jamal, are you the father? Jamal would say, No, I'm not the father. They would go to, they would go to Mike and say, Mike, are you the father? And Mike would say, No, I'm not the father. And what would always happen is that they would, they, they would, they would do the DNA test and they would say, Are you ready to hear the results? And just before they share the results, they would cut to commercial. Uh, they knew that they would hold you in the tension. Because you would now play some bets with your friends. I, I bet you it's, it's Devonte. I bet you it's, it's Jamal. I bet you it's Mike. And all three of them are denying and saying, I'm not the father. Uh, the commercials would end. And Jerry Springer would pause. And he would wait because we, he would let the anticipation build. And as the anticipation build, built, he would then reveal, Jamal, you are the father. And whenever Jamal would hear that he's the father, Jamal would go running around off the stage and the young lady would go chasing after him. I told you, I told you, I knew you were the father. And and, and while on these shows, the fathers are denying paternity, that is not what's happening spiritually. Uh, See, when, when we act out, And we say that we're Christians, but we don't act like Christians. When we claim Christ, but we don't live according to his ways. The spiritual paternity test is taken. And Satan is there. And God the Father is there. and Satan is not denying paternity in fact Satan is claiming paternity. Satan is saying I'm the father. Don't you see how they lie like me? Don't you see how they steal like me? Don't you see how they act up like me? They got my nose they got my teeth. They act just like I'm the father but thank God that God is there as well and God says no I'm the father. I claim them as my own. They may not act like me but my blood was shed. They may not act like me but I sent my son." they may not act like me but my spirit is still in there God does not deny paternity and when the blood test comes back it's full of the blood of Jesus and it lets us know that though we've been acting up God is still in control we are still his children we are still his sons we are still his daughters So God goes into my past. He adopts me as his son. And he fixes my future. So that my coping mechanisms come from the cross. So that now when I'm stressed, I bow down in prayer. Now when I'm stressed, the spirit speaks for me. Now when I'm stressed, I'm relying on God's love. Now when I'm stressed, I'm claiming his promises. Because God went into my past. He adopted me as his own. And then he made me his child. Saints of God. The past does not have to be present anymore. God is setting you free. I know that the stressful times are here. We can't avoid the triggers. But your pain is a renewable resource. God has not left you helpless. He wants to use what you have been through to bless you and to bless others as well. He's trying to remind you of who you are. Don't let the coping mechanism fool you into thinking I'm just this way. This is just the way that I am. No, this is who I learned to be in order to survive. And I know for some of us, it's hard to let go because we're so loyal to our coping mechanisms. We're loyal because they helped us in certain seasons. They kept us safe in certain households. They kept us safe in certain work environments. So we think that we still need them when God is saying, no, 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 it was okay back then, but it's not okay right now. I'm trying to bring you out. Don't let, them tr- don't, don't let them control you when they trigger you. You can't avoid the triggers. It's going to be there, but I'm going to use it for your good. Don't just come to me with your problems. Come to me with the patterns. Say, God, I don't know why I'm like this, but show me why so that I can be healed. The Lord has not left you helpless. I know you're hurt. I know you're tr- I know that this is the only way you know how to feel safe. I got to act out. I got to show them how strong I am. I I have to give them the silent treatment. I have to close off. I have to get past This is the only way I know to be safe. And God is saying, no, no. There are other ways to be safe now. You're not there anymore. You don't have to live in the past anymore. You can step into the freedom that God is providing in the present. The Spirit of the Lord is here to set you free. Here it is, God is not chastising you for what you did to survive, he's saying it's okay my son, it's okay, I know know. this is what you had to do to make it, but I want to set you free, you don't have to be like that anymore, you don't have to do those things anymore, you can walk in the freedom that my blood provides. If you know that the past has been present in your home, in your relationships, in your family. You're saying, God, it just keeps coming back up. I know I shouldn't anymore. I, 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 intellectually, I get it, but it just keeps coming up. God, I don't know how to be free, but I believe that you're able to do it. I believe that if you adopt me, hmm, and I confirm and I say, Abba Father, the Spirit will confirm that we are the sons and daughters of God. If that's you, you know that you need to be set free from the past has been so present. I going to ask for you to stand to your feet. I want to say a special prayer for you. I'm going to ask Dr. Knight to come forward. You know the past has been present. It's been controlling everything. It's been dampening your discernment. It's been causing you to, to, to act in ways that you don't want to act. he's saying, God, I need to be free. I don't want this to control me anymore. But I want to walk in the freedom of new life that you provide I want to give a second appeal very specific appeal if you know that you don't even know why you do what you do I just know that I do it I don't want to do it I wouldn't tell anybody else to do it but I just know that I do it God I know the problem I don't know the pattern and he's saying God just just help me understand the pattern. Help me break the pattern. If that's you, just raise your hand. We want to say a special prayer for you. I don't know why I do what I do, but I know that I do it. And God, help me understand the pattern. Because I know if you fix the pattern, you'll fix the problem. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'm gonna give the mic to Dr. Knight as he closes us uh, out in prayer.
0: Father, we thank you. Our hands are lifted because we're saying it's me. It's me standing in the need of this prayer. Father, we thank you for the word of God through the man of God today who helped us to understand that our patterns are what's getting us in trouble. God, we pray now a prayer of permission. We give you permission. We're signing a permission slip in the spirit. God, we're giving you permission to address our patterns, address, Lord, those habits that so easily sabotage our progress God go back into those places we're not even conscious about and Lord address the way that we deal with stress and triggers God do this spiritual work God would you please do it first in our spirit Then God move to our thought patterns in our mind and then Lord let it be manifested in our bodies so that when we speak it'll be different and and when we relate to people it'll be different. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus a healing over every broken spirit, every dysfunctional way or pattern of us, God. And I pray Lord that you will free us for we believe whom the Son sets free Is free indeed and so father in the name of Jesus may there be healing may there be restoration give us a new past we'll praise you now for our new future and we thank you that it's already being done and God how will we know for some of us it might happen some things might show up tomorrow for others, it'll show up next week, the month after that, and maybe by the end of the year. But God, however long it takes, like we sung about it, we're going to wait on you. And we believe the change is coming. So we thank you now. We thank you now in Jesus' name. that everybody in this building and everybody online put your hands together. Come on, put it in the chat. We praise God. We praise God. It is, it is finished In Jesus' name. If you are being blessed by this ministry,
1: join us in reaching others by partnering with us. You can give through our website at revisionchurchatlanta.org slash give. Or if you're local to Atlanta, Georgia, sign up to join a revision volunteer team by texting CREW to 833-406-0775. That's CREW, C-R-E-W, to 833-406-0775. We hope you have a phenomenal week.